everyone, and thank you for joining me today with Talking Business. Um, I'm Stephanie Van Vark, and I am a small business owner. So I have to confess, I'm a little bit nervous today because I'm a big fan of the person that I'm about to interview. I've watched as this festival went from the Acapulco Film Festival and rebrand to the American Black Film Festival and land in my backyard. So um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jeff Friday. Here you come on. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Great seeing you. You look great. Great Thank seeing you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. I love the backdrop. Thank you. That's one of so, my favorite pieces of art. It is beautiful. Um, let me start with who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm Jeff Friday. I'm the founder of ABFF Ventures, which is a, a live event and digital event in television and film production company. Uh, what we're most known for is the American Black Film Festival, which is in its 24th year, which I can't believe. Yeah. Uh, for all of those who are counting, I was 10 years old when we started. <laughs> that makes me 34 years old now. So Good I'm, sticking to, Good I'm sticking to my story. <laughs> Good answer. Good yeah, answer. We, we do a few things. And, I'm a, and I am a small business. It's 100% uh, it's African-American owned business. My wife and I, uh, my wife Nicole and I run the business. And uh, we're very proud to have to have been around for you know for more than two decades now. Now, as I mentioned, I mean, a part of this show is really about small businesses needing to shift and pivot and continue to stay relevant. Um, and I think you are kind of the epitome of that because, as I mentioned, you started. I remember, and yes, I'm telling my age too. Uh, <laughs> the American Black it was the Acapulco Black Film Festival, right. and then you know, correct my my direction, but I think you came to Miami, then New York, then LA, and then back to Miami. So. Yeah. You've pivoted. You're a demonstration of pivoting, but not in just creating a new product. You've lifted a actual event and moved it around the country. What's the decision that goes into that? And and how do you how do you do that? What's the step step by step action plan to do that? Right. So as as a small business, if I there's there's two types of small businesses. Mm -hmm. There's a well funded small business. <laughs> Right. Which not many of us have those. Right. And there's a the other one that most of us have. Right. And that the other one is a, is a, an entrepreneur who has an idea, who has a vision for the company, usually limited in their resources as it, it, from labor point, from labor marketing mm -hmm. and everything. You know, usually been limited. And so when you're limited, you've got to be the world becomes very fluid when you you're, when you're limited. And so you've always, it's just like growing up in the inner city. You've got, you, you develop some skills that you don't have when you grow up in a suburbs in a pretty backyard with a pool, you know? Right. So I grew up in North New Jersey, um, very much like overtime, you know, great people go to church on Sunday, want the best for their families, but don't have any privilege. And when you come from a place like that, you just have to be, you got to be tough, but you also have to be flexible. So I approach our business like that. So we started, we started with this idea in Acapulco, 1997. I went to the Sundance Film Festival and I had, and I didn't see a lot of diversity. I saw a great event, but I saw very few women and fewer people of color. And I said to myself, we could do that and do it better, right? And so we started in Mexico the first five years. You were there. You were really young then, right? And yeah. in, in 2002, we met the Convention and Visitors Bureau, the GMCBB, okay. and the Tourism Bureau down in South Florida. And 
they convinced us and, and told us how wonderful South Beach was and it just the Miami area, not just South Beach. And we decided to relocate the festival to Miami in 2002. And we've been there for all of that run, except for a couple of years, we we're in New York and L.A. And really the decisions to leave were really driven around just economic survival. Right. You know, there was one point in 2009 when we, we left for L.A. And the only reason we left is because the 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 cost of bringing celebrities to Miami was cost. It was cost prohibitive. You know, we would have if you've ever been to the festival, okay. you might look around and see anybody from Morgan Freeman to Halle Berry to Morris yeah. Chestnut and Amari. Yes. And and there's a there's an expense to bringing this community to South Florida every year. So you know you always have to be very fluid, and most of your decisions are driven around resources. We've been very very fortunate mm -hmm. though because we've had we have stayed, you know, we've been steadfast with this mission, and we've we've had a lot of support. Like unlike most events, mm -hmm. and that we've had everything from HBO to the bureaus to Cadillac. Mm -hmm. So we've had we're probably in terms of just corporate embrace. We probably get more support than most, but right. even in spite of that, it's very, very difficult to to basically run a run a company of this nature. So, how have you had to pivot at this point um, during the pandemic? This is a new dynamic for all of us. Um, so, I'm imagining you had to pivot the dates of the event because right now you would be here preparing for the festival in in June. But operationally, yeah. sponsors, how is that? How has that had to adapt? Yeah, we've had to do what everybody else has done. So we, we moved, we pushed the date uh, to, to later in the year. Unfortunately, we had to furlough employees. You know, we've, we've applied for all the, the, the assistance of the government. You know, we've reduced our salaries. We've done, we've done everything. There's no, I don't have a new story there. You know, we've, right. we've called our clients. Some of our clients are paying slow now. We've, we've had the same experience everyone else. The only advantage kind of goes back to what I was saying before is when you're small, you're more fluid. So for example, the Sundance Film Festival is usually, no, I'm sorry, the uh, Tribeca Film Festival is in April in New York. Mm -hmm. They're a much bigger event in terms of people. So to change, the South by Southwest is a better example. So they're in, in Austin, Texas in March. Mm -hmm. And they had to completely cancel their festival because it's a lot more. It was a lot. It's a lot more to putting it on mm -hmm. because we're a relatively small company. It doesn't take as much for us to change directions. So sometimes and this might be the only case where being small is kind of an right. Advantage. I agree. You know, if you run a business and you got to work from home, you just pack up your office and you go work from home. It's not a lot of change. So that's kind of what we did. You know, we used and you, you rarely hear this. But we use our lack of size to our advantage. Okay. Okay. And do exactly. you think it's going to change the way you operate in the future? Are you seeing some some ways you could be even leaner in the future based on what you're learning in this two month window? Yeah, I think for us to uh, beyond just being leaner, I think everyone's kind of looking to that. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to be more global, and we we're forcing us to do things like we're building a we're building a digital platform. Mm -hmm. uh, for content mm -hmm. that we've been talking about for like nine years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And had this not happened, we would still be talking about it probably nine more years from now. <laughs> but, but, you know, this, this, is, this is, yeah, you know, this has forced us to, to rethink how we do our business. And, and there is a virtual space for a film festival. There's a virtual space for a television production company. So we, we absolutely will will come out on the other side of this crisis 
are more a company more in tune with what's happening in the world, also a more virtual, a more global company, because yeah. we can reach more people virtually than we can reach in a physical environment. Here's so in spite of all the pain and suffering that we're going through, particularly our community, what, I, what I'm most bothered by is just how many people of color are suffering from this yeah. and how, and how once again, a pandemic is, is disappoint, disproportionately affecting people who are poor than they are people who are rich. It's yeah. like how many things can, can we take, right? You know, and so again, as a company, I think we're okay. We're going to be fine. I, I want to do more to advance the cause and to, to just make sure as few people suffer and, and people can, that we want to be a part of the recovery process and the, and the healing process as, as an organization. I mean, that's, I mean, that's an interesting conversation. Actually, this is outside of the question list, but, um, you know, that's sort of been a conversation. So how do you feel small business, the entertainment industry can be very key in moving that dialogue forward and not just dialogue, but the action. How do we take action in that realm? Because you're right. We can't keep doing, we can't keep living this way. <laughs> I, I think, I think if we focus and, and maybe I do this, but someone's got to do this with a, with a large reach and a big voice. I think we have to now focus on economic empowerment, uh, business empowerment. We've talked about my whole life, black companies and buy black and we buy T-shirts and, you know, we do all this. Comment, but at the end of the day, if you ask yourself out of every hundred dollars that you spend, what percentage of that is spent mm -hmm. with a company that's a, a black or Latino company? You have to ask yourself. Don't I don't even know the answer. Ask yourself and look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. If you say for every $100 I spend, what percentage of that is recycling the black community? If, that's, if that number's not 50, then, then you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. I agree. Humble opinion, you're not moving a needle. So the digital space and, and Instagram and Facebook, all these are platforms for us, for us now. to. You think about the principles of Kwanzaa. Mm -hmm. We don't need to wait until December 26 to think about the I want to talk about the principles of Kwanzaa tomorrow and stop dancing on Instagram and doing pranks. And like, I really think that we need to spend this, this what I call this quiet time, mm -hmm. being more intellectually aware and being more economically supportive of one another. Because if everybody buys something black every day, mm -hmm. then your business works better, my business works, you know, those are the kind of things. The same way that big celebrities get behind the voting I really do think, you know, and, and my profile is not really big enough to make it, you know, to move the needle. But you know, I don't want to po poke at people. Right. But we, we know what people who got five million Instagram followers. Right. And I just think that we should be spending our time doing other things and just doing silly stuff on it. I, you know, it, it bothers me. I, I, I like to laugh, too. But like this ain't really a time to laugh when people are dying right. and people stop when people right. are starving and. And, and unemployed and might be 40 million people unemployed. I mean, mm -hmm. one out of every four Americans is unemployed. I, I heard that this morning, which is staggering. And in this industry, um, if you think about gig workers, I have a gig worker in my home and that unemployment process has been a little crazy. So I hope that also will spark some conversation in the industry about how to support gig workers in that realm, because, you know, it, it's it's. I mean, I know this is unprecedented, but at least it starts a conversation. It starts some action for sure. It, cer it certainly does. It absolutely does. So he, the pandemic, 
I, you know, we were just talking about, I went to a drive through on Friday, which was a, a nice throwback. I've seen the AMC, AMC theaters um, is now on demand. Fandango is now streaming. Um, so it looks like the industry is turning the curve and taking advantage of, of a lot of these opportunities. You know, you mentioned you are starting that, that momentum as well. Was that a conversation everybody was having already? Or is this just happened as a result of what's happening today? I think a lot of major companies like uh, like Disney Plus just launched and, and mm -hmm. uh, NBC launched the Peacock and HBO launched HBO Max, which is going to be a big thing now. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the big content companies were already planning it. Okay. Um, so those are already in play and they kind of all happened in the last six months. They all launched in the last six months. But smaller companies, again, like our company, you know, we're launching a digital platform as well. I think you have to be an expert. I, I really don't know what's going to happen to the, the, the theater business may really be in trouble. I kind of agree. I kind of agree. We, we, were, we were talking about the drive-in theaters, which, you know, which are great because you can stay in your own confined area. You can enjoy more. But if you really think about it, if you ask, if you ask yourself, when are you going to be comfortable again to be in a packed movie theater. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're in between the 300 seats. They pick up the popcorn, but they don't clean the seats. Right? <laughs> right. It's, it's I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they don't spray, right? So then here's the other thing where everything affects money. So if they have these misters that they do on planes now, so now in between the flights, they go on the planes with these kind of these electronic misters and they clean the thing. You're going to have to do that at movie theaters as well. Right, absolutely. And so now you can't start the next movie 30 minutes from the last one. You got to start the next movie 90 minutes from the last one. And now you're showing fewer movies. So I really do think the movie theater industry's pain will be pleasure to everyone who has a streaming company absolutely. where people can watch it on apps and not leave home. That's what I think. If we're just talking about entertainment, I think the biggest shift is going to be how we consume entertainment. I don't know that we're going back to crowded theaters when Star Wars comes out again. I just don't see it for a long time. And and that 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 applies to, to concerts mm -hmm. and Broadway, Broadway and, and I just I don't know. It's, I think it's gonna be a long time before we back to that. And and the if you think of the cost, I mean the cost is much more economical than in some cases what has happened in the in you know having to go to a theater like you mentioned. Um, but also, Netflix companies, Hulu, the content has been great. I mean, we were stuck in our house for two months. We were a captive audience. That was definitely our lifeline, our, our form of entertainment. Um, but I feel like there's going to be a clamor for content. Is this the time that a newcomer can really get his foot in the door? And if so, how? Like, you know, what is that way of, of getting in there and showing what you're able to do? Yeah, we're, we're going to be that newcomer, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, I, 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 can't, I can't give away the trade secrets because I know those big, those big guys are all listening to your show. But um, uh, I think the key is understanding your niche. Okay. It, you know, our, our, our advantage has always been not trying to play to every, not, not, not focusing on everyone. Understanding who our audience, our audience is African people who like black culture and got black content. Mm -hmm. Now, if you happen to not be black and like black culture, like everybody likes, you know, rap music and jazz and whatever, you know, so you don't have to be black to appreciate Insecure. Right. But we never programmed our events and our shows 
for anything other than people who are into black culture. Okay. So I think I think the key to winning in this environment where everyone's doing the same thing and most people have more money and resources than you Absolutely. is to know is to know you even as an entrepreneur for yourself, like you got to know who your target audience is. You know, if you were doing PR in, in South Florida, you you could you could go to, you know, the American Airlines Arena to do PR for them, or you could find local businesses and do PR for those local businesses and have twelve of them. You know what I mean? It might not be at the same price points, but at least you're building an audience. You're building a client base. Right. You know, I have a buddy who's an accountant. Absolutely. I have a buddy who's an accountant, you know, down there. And his his target audience is small. He doesn't talk to big. He, he, he does accounting for small entrepreneurial businesses, you know. And so I guess okay. I think it's the same, the same. Just understanding who your target is. But no, we're going to we're going to be that company that does that. So have you had an emergency plan? I know, um, you know, go to a small, I mean, I've gone to small business workshops and they talked a lot about having an emergency plan, um, particularly in South Florida, as you know, we have hurricanes that you may or may not come back from. Um, but have you built into your operations an emergency plan? No, that, to be honest with you, no. <clears throat> there was no plan for this. Right. And in, in the live event business, uh, we have what's called business interruption insurance oh. or, 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 or event can I'm sorry, event cancellation insurance. OK, but your typical event cancellation policy covers you for riots and wars and acts of terrorism and, and weather related things, acts of God. But those policies until now have all excluded pandemics because who the hell knew what a pandemic was prior to this right we didn't have that yet so, so if you try to call on your policy nine out of ten probably 99 out of 100 uh event cancellation policies do not include pandemics wow. so no there was no there so no we're hurting just like everybody else there, there was no preparing you know you know there was, right. there was no there was, I, don't, I don't know we, we were not if you ask about us we were not we were not prepared for this absolutely not oh. so what lessons have you learned over the course of your years you know 24 years doing this um what are some of those lessons and what are what are those lessons that you hold fast to no matter what that has guided you through being able to keep this going for so long well, our, our biggest thing for us is is just it's just ha having partners. Mm -hmm. You know, when when I started, I started a kind of alone. I had you know co-founders, but like your corporate corporate partners are your lifeblood when you because there are companies we criticize corporations quite a bit, but there are companies that want to support diversity. They just don't know how. Right. And they hire they hire the wrong people, and. They hire people who don't look like us and rely on them to make decisions about us, which right. just doesn't make any sense at all to me. <laughs> and so what we've tried to do is just give corporations, big and small, mm -hmm. solutions to reaching our people, you know, and just be reliable. That's it. You know, HBO has been our has been our corporate partner for 20. We've been in business with HBO for 24 years. Like, how is that even possible? Right. right? Exactly. Like, exactly. people say, what's your, who's your biggest client? HBO and then BET and others like that and Cadillac and, you know, a number of them. And, and just offering solutions and being true to your word. And if the contract says they get one, two, and three, and four, and five, then you give them, you know, one through five and maybe, maybe give them six. You over-deliver. Right. But that's really been our model, just, just being ethical about business. And and when you fail, just say I screwed up, and let me make it up. To, you know, it's just approaching business in the most ethical possible way. You know, I try to approach 
my personal relationships and my corporate relationships in the same way. The second piece of advice is just being, like we talked about a few minutes ago, being true to your brand. If your brand's about celebrating, elevating, inspiring black people, do that, do it all the time. Right. You know, and that's what we've, I think we've done that well for the past, you know, 24 years. And in the process, I've really kind of fallen in love with the whole, the South Florida community. Like, you know, we, we consider y'all cousins now. And, 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 (laughs) you know, I I miss being down and normally my wife and I and the kids, we'd be down there four or five times a year, you know, outside of the festival. And, you know, we work with great people like Yvette Harris, who's down there, who you know real well. And a bunch of other great friends we have there. So, you know, that's my that's my tips. Just just business business ethics are really important. Um, and when you can't do something, just say it. <laughs> you know, if you and, and if when you mess up, find come up with solutions. Just don't run away from the hard stuff. Has been my my approach. Oh, so I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit because we were talking a little bit before this. You were saying that you've had to learn something personally due to the pandemic. Would you like to share that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My wife can probably tell you more about this, but, you know, I'm a control. I'm like the control freak. Right. So if if I don't have control of it, I feel vulnerable. I feel exposed. Right. And so this pandemic, you asked me, you know, what's happening with our business for the rest of the year. My response was, God willing, we'll do it. You know, you know. And so I've just had to just release a little bit and just. Embrace the fact, embrace uncertainty and embrace the fact that I don't control any of this. We're in a crazy place. We got crazy leadership. You know, we're not even getting answers. We can't even process information because it changes every day. Right. And so we're all vulnerable together. And there's some and, and honestly, some people believe there's strength in being vulnerable. But I was just saying, you know, kind of facetiously, like it's odd for me to not be able to have de- definitive answers for things. Because normally I mean, you and I have known each other a long time now. Normally, if you ask me anything. I'll tell you very definitively, yes or no, or when it is. Right. And the day you ask me something, I said, oh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> and for, for, all, for all the control freaks out there, you know, that's kind of an odd place to be. But I do think that I'll be better at, on the other side of this because I won't be, just, just personally for a minute, I won't be as rigid about things that I've, you know, as rigid as I've been in the past about having to know everything all the time. Right. So. I'm planning on having some right. some personal Good. growth. Good. You can check back in with me in a couple of months. Good. You know yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's talk. Let's talk about a year after after the um, the vaccine comes. Let's see what exactly. happens. Exactly. So have you have you ever been afraid as a as an entrepreneur? I mean, as you said, you've got to be a control freak. Um, and you know, in entrepreneurship world, you are the person everybody's looking to answer the question, especially if your name's at the top, you know, how do you right. handle when, you know, you're afraid that I, I don't know if I'm making the right decisions. Well, how do you maneuver that? Um, I, I think every entrepreneur just lives in fear to some degree. <clears throat> you know, if you ask anyone, like even the most successful people, people I look up to, they, they, they say I was, some, they often say I was driven by fear, a fear, okay. a fear of failure. So, my answer is I'm, I'm afraid all the time, but you don't let the fear cripple you. Mm-hmm. You let the fear inspire you. Like I'm, I'm every day, you know, because what you do, what here's what it is. They say, what's it? The good and the bad is the same. The good news is you're the final decision maker, which is why you leave a job to be your own 
man or woman, right? That's the good news. Right. The bad news is you're the final decision maker. It's the same, right? Right. And so you just have to decide for yourself as a person, do I want that responsibility for the freedom of being the final decision? I decided 25 or six years ago, I was willing to take the ride. Mm -hmm. I don't like, I like making the final decision. I like making the final call. That that I like that more than I like, you know, less than I like the fear of, of making a final decision. So you just, but it's not for everybody. I know people who've had, you know, who've been in corporate and had jobs their whole career retiring with a lot of money in stock and things. And they never had to make the final call. They never had to worry about the check clearing and mm -hmm. any of that. So mm -hmm. I, I just think that yes, fear is a part of entrepreneurship. It, it absolutely is a part of entrepreneurship. I've always said that, that you know, it's gotta be in your DNA because you know, who else does this <laughs> and not be terrified the whole time you're doing it? But there's no, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared now. You, you scared? I'm, I'm, I'm scared right now. <laughs> I'm terrified, but I got a smile on my face. You'll never and, and it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop us either. So it's all good. Exactly. Exactly. So I promised to get you off at a reasonable time. And I did want to let you know, you got several people who are chiming in saying, yes, they love the ABFF and they totally agree with what you're saying. Um, before you leave, I would like to ask, how do we get in touch with you or find out more about what's happening with the American Black Film Festival? Uh, you guys can follow us on social at American Black Film Festival or just if you want a more personal response, email us to info at, ABF, info at abffventures.com. <clears throat> so and we get we get calls every day about what's going on and about films and things. So we do encourage folks to reach out when they have questions about you know what we're doing on the industry itself. So, yeah, please keep us posted if you are going to be. Um, I know you're coming back to Miami, but when? <laughs> and, you know, what? any other workshops, we'll definitely share that information. We will be back. I miss y'all. Shout out to everybody. My Aunt Connie and Ed Ponder. What's up, Ed? <laughs> Thank y'all for tuning in. We had Connie. Commissioner Hardiman, just everybody, all my friends. Again, I love you guys. I support you. I look forward to seeing you. God willing, we'll see you this year. If not, we'll see you as soon as we can be there. So let us know. Keep us posted. I'll be there for sure. Thank you, Thank you Stephanie. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Great job, too. Okay, you too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So thank you everyone for joining me today. That was a wonderful interview and I was so excited. Um, I'm always excited, but yes, I've been a huge fan and um, it was great to be able to talk to him a little bit about how he's shifting in the world, um, in, in the entertainment space and learn a little bit about how I too can shift in the, in, in the entertainment space. Um, so next week we will have Leanne, um, Leanne Buchanan from Venture Cafe. Um, let's see. I have it written down. I have to apologize. Um, we are going to have, I don't remember. I apologize, everyone. But just tune in. Tuesday at um, 10 o'clock, we will be back here interviewing Leanne Buchanan at Venture Cafe. Um, thank you again for tuning in. We are so appreciative. And have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.